Today on Not Sam Wrestling, Kaz joins us to talk about his experiences being at WrestleMania and the post-WrestleMania wrestling world. We've got new commentators in the booth, unfortunately less superstars in the WWE. There's a lot to talk about today. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey everybody, welcome. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. What is this, episode 339? Hope everybody's doing well. Happy Monday. Week number two of the new WWE season, I guess it were. Of course, it was an uneventful week coming off of WrestleMania. Not for the best reasons in the world. Uh, Today, Kaz, who used to be a writer for the WWE, hosts a podcast called Say Less with Kaz. He's on MSG Network here in New York now. will be on the show to talk about some of the stuff going on this week, as well as being at WrestleMania with Wale and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, But I guess we should get right into it. Uh, I appreciate all you guys uh, that have been following along over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. That's where you can go if you want to get the show First, if you want to get it ad-free, uh, everything. It's available at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. We also do a bonus podcast every single Thursday, which dropped on Thursday afternoon. You can see the show live. You can see every show on video. Uh, all of it available at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. You can also get our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. We're getting all of our conversations up. Not Sam Wrestling is evolving as we are in this constant state of evolution. We are approaching 350 episodes, one of the longer-running podcasts in the genre. Not the longest, but one of the longer-running podcasts in the genre. And the show changes as times change. And I, I really feel like we've gotten to a place with this podcast where I like it. I like this being the place where you're going to find the best conversations in wrestling. Every week... You're going to have my takes, but every week you're also going to have one of the best conversations. If not, you go to last week's WrestleMania wrap-up show, maybe two of the best conversations about wrestling that I can supply you with. And those conversations end up in video form over at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. So make sure you're subscribed to that YouTube page. Check it out um, and enjoy it. Uh, I hope that everybody's enjoying themselves. I guess we'll start with the good news. We'll start with the positive, and that's the people getting jobs. Two new members of the broadcast team added to WWE this week uh, on Monday. Monday, it was twofold. One return and one debut. The return was a big enough deal. The debut, I mean, it was a big deal at the announcer's table. It wasn't exactly. It's not going to go on the list of... uh, WrestleMania after Raw debuts because, I mean, really, like, I think the WWE just kind of made the decision to not do a traditional Raw after WrestleMania. Fans were not going to be in the building. Uh, They weren't building up to any giant, massive returns, at least immediately. So they just did an episode of Raw, which sometimes you just do an episode of Raw, except this week, not only did we have the Charlotte promo, which we should take a moment to pause and say, what an incredible promo from Charlotte Flair on Raw. I 
absolutely loved that promo. It was, I think, probably closer to Ashley Flair than any Charlotte promo has been before. The stuff she was saying felt like a shoot. The stuff she was saying was true. And I love the story that this version of Charlotte is telling. This is what I've been waiting for with Charlotte. I think it's great. Clearly, we're headed towards some kind of triple threat between Asuka, Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte. And it's just, I, I love when Charlotte embraces the Charlotte fatigue that sets in unfairly, I believe, with some wrestling fans. Wrestling fans that feel like uh, Charlotte shouldn't be in every main event. Or roster members. Let's be honest. Peyton Royce cut a monster of a promo on Raw Talk uh, only a few weeks ago. And we'll talk about Peyton Royce. But she cut this monster of a promo where she talked about uh, certain people not getting opportunities. The same people getting opportunities and her never getting one. Dana Brooke, for a while, that was her kind of uh, uh, credo. Credo? Motto? Creed? She wasn't getting the opportunities. And there's always, it's never brought up specifically, but we all kind of know that the reason they're saying that is because the, uh, the undertone is that Charlotte is the one that gets all the opportunities. So Charlotte coming on television as a character and hitting it straightforward and saying, I'm getting, I am the opportunity. Your opportunity is the ability to share a ring with me. And I mean, I love it because I agree with it because I'm sitting here thinking the only reason Charlotte is in the main event of every women's show is because she's the biggest woman on the planet as far as professional wrestling goes. Becky Lynch came in and took that title from her. That's why Becky Lynch ended up in all the main events. Becky Lynch, probably the biggest female superstar ever or will get there when she gets back. But it's hard to argue that any female superstar has ever been more popular than Becky Lynch. Charlotte? Charlotte is like a John Cena of the women's division. Charlotte is the best. Charlotte is dependable. Charlotte is a major, major star. So it's like, okay, if you want your opportunities, prove it and be better than me. And that's what this Charlotte character is saying. And I thought it was great. I thought that was the best part of Raw, to be frank. I thought I thought it was my favorite thing on Raw, the Charlotte promo. Uh, but we did, we were talking about the announce table. Adnan Verk being added to the announce table as uh, the play-by-play -play guy. Uh, first, shout-outs to Tom Phillips who's, uh, I, I, I think he's awesome. And, you know, this has happened to Tom before. He lands on his feet. He'll land on his feet again, I have no doubt, because he's very good at what he does. Uh, Adnan Verk definitely coming in and bringing more of a sports feel to it, bringing uh, more of a kind of an experienced sports broadcaster. Doesn't sound like a wrestling announcer. Sounds like a guy. Sounds like who he is. A guy that's got experienced, uh, a guy that's got experience calling sports. And it's going to go one of two ways, you know. I, I, I think it was good. I like change. I like different. I like mixing things up. Let's try new things. And so I enjoyed it. He, the only stuff that he really messed up on, Adnan Verk, was stuff that you would assume one would on his first day. All of his mistakes were first day mistakes. All of his mistakes were as forgivable as any mistakes could be. I thought Byron Saxton and Corey Graves I mean, if they hadn't proved their worth before, really showed how great they were at 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 helping 
Adnan be able to run that table or at least sound like he's running that table as a newbie? And I think it'll take him a few weeks, but the thing about WWE is it all moves so quickly that you get acclimated quickly. And we'll find out within a few weeks um, if this is a good fit. And I believe it will be. I think that it will be. I think that, you know, calling Drew McIntyre the Celtic warrior or whatever he called him, for example, I think that's calling the Celtic warrior instead of the Scottish warrior and a couple of little things here and there, you know, I, I think the complaints about him not calling moves, that's not what happens in WWE. So, I mean, even if he, if he was calling moves, he would probably be asked to stop calling moves. And I'm not against that, to tell you the truth. This is uh, the sports entertainment world. I mean, if you do it in a way and I find it entertaining, I'm not, I'm not anti-move calling, but I'm also not one of these guys that's like, you have to call every move. Because I'm way more interested in the announcers telling the stories and telling me what is going on with the storytelling in the match. Oh, and, and explaining the motivations and explaining why this would happen here. And, and you know, I think all that is much more important. But I think that for the fact that he has never called wrestling before and he showed up on Monday Night Raw, I think he kicked ass. So I and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, grow in the position. And I think that he will. Then on SmackDown, the mystery was and I, I figured um, that there had to be a new color person on SmackDown. Right. There had to, and, 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 and also we should also like in WWE, it's not quite the same. AEW has like three play-by-play guys. That's how they do their commentary. Tony Schiavone, JR and Excalibur are pretty much all doing play-by-play in WWE. They have very specific roles on raw. They have a traditional three man booth. Adnan is the color is the, is the play-by-play guy. Corey Graves is the heel com- color commentator. Byron Saxton is the babyface color commentator. So, like, you know, I, I, you hear every time that the announce team gets switched around, they act like, oh, why don't you just put Tom Phillips with Michael Cole? Or why don't you make Corey Graves the, the play-by-play guy or the head announcer on Raw? Or why don't you do... And it's like, that's because, like, Samoa Joe, Corey Graves, and Byron Saxton would be three color commentary guys all fighting to get the same thing in, and the show would have three guys all trying to do the same thing and would be completely lacking the play-by-play guy. That's how the storytelling is done. And, I mean, you see that in in sports, too. That's how there's an analyst and there's play-by-play. There are roles to be filled in commentary. So when Corey Graves showed up on Raw, I thought it was a good move because it's like Corey Graves is a great— I would never say it to his face, but he's a great color commentator— uh, and I knew, like, if I was starting play-by-play for my first day, I'd want Corey Graves and Byron Saxton on either side of me. You know, and, and maybe I'm coming from a different perspective than somebody that's just watching on TV because I've, I've, I've been through it a little bit. But you want two guys like that by your side. Talk about a security blanket. Just amazing. On SmackDown, they make the big announcement Friday morning. That Pat McAfee, who a lot of people were waiting to see, is he going to have another run in NXT? Is he going to show up in the Royal Rumble? Is he going to have a WrestleMania moment? It's interesting because Pat McAfee, just as everybody was like, I love Pat McAfee as a wrestler, switches it up on people again. I love that Pat does this. And he joins the SmackDown commentary booth full time. Pat has done, of course, he did the NXT pre-shows with me. Uh, He did one episode of SmackDown as color commentator. When uh, the f- plane w- did it, when the plane was delayed or whatever in Saudi, 
And then he did the one match. I think he only did one match for NXT color commentary to build the original Adam Cole, Pat McAfee story that all the like smart wrestling analysts were like, Pat sucked. And then within two weeks, they were like, oh, no, I, I think he's great. I think he's great. Oh, really? Apologize then. So Pat showed up and he's announced this isn't like a special thing. This isn't a one-off. Pat McAfee, the new full-time permanent partner to Michael Cole, color commentator on SmackDown. And I'm going to tell you right now, everything that I just said about the comfortable position that Adnan Verk is in on Raw with Corey and Byron, Pat McAfee, 100-fold. If you are doing wrestling color commentary for what's conceivably the first time, Michael Cole being being in a two-man booth, first of all, much easier than a three-man booth. Being in a two-man booth and having Michael Cole there as your play-by-play guy, there's literally no better scenario. And I know we kissed Michael Cole's ass on this podcast. Mansuri was on, and we were just having an ass-kiss fest. But he's he Michael Cole, as they say, deserves all of the flowers. <laughs> and I would say that to his face. There couldn't be a better play-by-play partner for Pat to start with. And I'm sure that after that one show, after his first show, I'll bet you Pat McAfee would tell you the same thing. But I thought Pat was excellent as the color commentator on SmackDown. And I was I was wondering, you know, Pat comes from the world, and I've been there, hosting a solo radio show, and Pat's got his army with him. He's got uh, Michael Mansuri behind the ones and twos. He's got... Uh, Young Zito, he's got uh, old Foxy, Jared Fox. He's got a whole army of people that I'm sorry aren't, aren't all getting shout outs, but you all deserve them because you're all beautiful. But when you're hosting a solo radio show, you're used to just grabbing everything and, and kind of being responsible for everything. Like you are painting the picture. Like this show, like for me, I'm not going to stop talking. I'm not going to let things breathe. I, it doesn't, it, I can't. Because otherwise it would sound like this. Nothing. It's boring. We don't do things that way. So now you have to go in and you have to take that skill set and put it aside. Because what you have to do is you have to learn how to work with a partner who's doing play-by-play. You have to learn what your role is as a color commentator and hit all your marks. And then ultimately you are there to compliment the story that's going on in the ring. It's a completely different art form. I thought Pat was able to bring himself way down. I know Pat. And we had Pat dialed down. Pat is ready to take over. You give Pat a little bit of room and he will take the thing over. But if you go, this is your role, He'll go, okay, I'm going to perform my role and I'm going to do it to the fullest. And that's what I thought he did on SmackDown. He did for for his first full show as the full-time commentator. He let the stories be the stars, which you can't take for granted. People, People put themselves over accidentally. He let the stories be the stars. He came across as excited about the stories. He came across as a fan. He came across like he was excited to be there. He put over tag teams. Come on. And he was able to to spice in a little bit of heel with a lot of, of logic. 
just a tiny bit of heel, but not to the point where he's burying anybody, you know? He's going to talk about how great Jey Uso is, but then he's going to be like, yeah, but Cesaro's the man too. You know, I I, I just think he did, a, he did an excellent job, and that's another one that I think that the first episode will sound like the first episode, and that will grow and change. Now, the question that everybody, everybody's asking, everybody's heard the story. Pat McAfee shows up to WrestleMania in his costume, which was shorts. Michael Cole, stressed out, it's WrestleMania. He yells at Pat about, because he said, Pat, you should be wearing pants. This is Pat's first WrestleMania. He doesn't want Vince McMahon to see Pat wearing shorts because Vince McMahon will be like, what the hell is that? Pat takes it personally. And he gets ready to quit WWE because Michael Cole told him to wear pants. Michael Cole, being the consummate professional, sits him down and goes, I understand you don't have pants, son. I'm sorry that I yelled at you the way that I did, but in the future, maybe bring pants. I think that was the conversation. And all's well that ends well. Everything ends up being cool. So the question is, obviously, we've heard the legends and the folklore about uh, yells coming through the headphones, screams coming through the headphones. Will Pat McAfee be able to withstand being produced? I don't think he'll have a problem being produced. You know, Pat's been produced before. He'll be okay. He's a professional. I don't know if you heard this. He's a, a professional. You know, and and if Vince McMahon, the chairman of the board, has some suggestions for Pat McAfee, I think even the one-time NFL punter of the year will slow down and go, yes, sir, Mr. McMahon, sir. And listen to the billionaire who's offering you advice on how to perform in the company that he's taken from a, a, a local promotion to a global phenomenon entertainment company. I think Pat will be okay. I, I think he'll be fine. Don't worry about Pat McAfee. He'll be just fine. And I think that we'll all be better off for it. And I think that that we're going to, Pat's not going to be sculpted into something. They're not looking at Pat McAfee like a project, I don't think. From the very beginning, I saw how high everybody in WWE was on Pat McAfee. I've told the story on Pat's show. My first time in Gorilla, because I don't go anywhere I'm not invited. My first time in Gorilla, it was because Michael Cole asked me to escort Pat to Gorilla so he could introduce him to everybody. After the pre-show, I escorted Pat to Gorilla. I was like, oh, this is it. This is Gorilla in my head. And then Michael Cole goes, thanks, Sam. And I was like, well, that's my role. <laughs> that's what I'm here to do. But it's like, what is this? A mystery? What are you trying to figure out why? Oh, we have this professional athlete here who's been to, what's he been to, two Super Bowls? Also happens to be hella charismatic. All right, enough, enough kissing Pat McAfee's ass too. I'm sick of it. Enough. He's going to, he's, he, forget it. Forget it. Forget everything I said. All the nice things that I said, forget him. He did do well, though. First episode of SmackDown. So let's get into some less pleasant news. And that's the releases that came down. Uh, how many total came down on uh, Thursday? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten releases by my count. Um, some, and I, I don't know, I don't even want to say it like this. All due respect, some more surprising than others, I'll say. So, I mean, I guess the curse of Sam Roberts is real. 
Mickey James released after uh, doing the NXT takeover pre-show with me. Mickey James released. Um, Mickey James, I think, will be fine though. Mickey James is a legend. She still can go. She's married to the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, for God's sake. I'm sure Billy Corgan, despite all his rage, will bring in Mickey James. I think she'd be a pretty strong asset over to the NWA. I mean, I think also, you know, you're looking at AEW. The roster is fairly bloated, but they could definitely use some more women on the roster. I'd like to see Thunder Rosa mix it up with Mickey James. Uh, so Mickey James, Chelsea Green was released. Chelsea Green surprised me because I don't know. I'm a big Chelsea Green fan. She's been on the podcast before. Um, I don't think she ever got an opportunity to not do well. I think she did well when she was in NXT. I told her when I interviewed her alongside Robert Stone that I loved the pink parka that she wore to the ring for the Royal Rumble that she was in. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. That's a, that's a head scratcher to me a little bit because I think there's a lot of upside with Chelsea Green. She's got a ton of experience, a ton of TV experience. She's done just about everything. Um, yeah, I mean, she's one that I would love to see go over to like Ring of Honor and kind of reinvent their women's division. I'd love to see Chelsea Green in Ring of Honor. I'd love to see a lot of these people in Ring of Honor, to tell you the truth. Uh, Wesley Blake getting released. Wesley Blake, of course, uh, in NXT, he's partners with Murphy uh, alongside Alexa Bliss and then became a member of the Forgotten Sons. I think Steve Cutler was released a little while back. Now Wesley Blake is released. Jackson Riker remains. And I don't know. I mean, Wesley Blake's another one. He never really got a chance to make any sort of impact on the main roster. So we'll see what happens. You know, we'll 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 see where he goes. That's the other thing. And I don't know if this is the case for Wesley Blake. It's just an interesting thing that some people end up, you know, not being as active on the wrestling side of things. Now, I will say this. What's a huge benefit to all these people is especially anybody that has like a three-month uh, non-compete. So they're getting paid. If you have a non-compete, by the way, you're getting paid through your non-compete. So in three months, it'll be April, May, then June, then July. It'll be the middle of July. I would imagine this summer we'll see the indies start up again. There is a lot of talent, not only from the wrestlers that got released a year ago, but these as well. Uh, not everybody's going to get scooped up by AEW. Not everybody's going to get scooped up by Ring of Honor. I think you could end up with some very healthy independence coming off of this. And that's really good news for everybody here. Kalisto got released. He'll be doing his Super Lucha things elsewhere. That's a bummer. You know, I always thought Kalisto was really good. I don't know why they broke up the uh, uh, Lucha House Party, to tell you the truth. I don't, you know, I, I felt like they were going to turn him heel and they never really did anything with him. So Kalisto, I'm sure he'll be able to do well uh, elsewhere. He can work the independence. He could definitely go down to Mexico. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't think that Kalisto will have any problem whatsoever. Uh, Bo Dallas released. Uh, I don't think that one's a huge surprise only because he wasn't getting used. That's not to say that he should have been released. Maybe he should have been used. You know, a lot of people were advocating for a Bo Dallas kind of fiend meeting of the minds thing going on. I don't, I always like keeping Bo Dallas and the fiend separate. Like Bray Wyatt is Bray Wyatt. He's not Wyndham Rotunda. 
you know. However, I do think, and I said this on Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, when the podcast dropped over at Patreon slash Not Sam Wrestling for the shills. Bo Dallas is another one that I'd like to see in NWA because of the uh, family ties, because of the tradition. I'd like to see Bo Dallas kind of really, uh, really own that Rotunda name and kind of restart his career as a Rotunda and and show off how good he is at wrestling. I think it could be good. Tucker, another one that I would say is not surprised, another one that I'm not exactly sure why they broke up Heavy Machinery to begin with. But it, it seemed like Tucker was losing weight and stuff. Tucker's a big guy. He's a cool dude. Um, you know, he was uh, putting stuff on social media like he was making lemonade because life was giving him lemons. So, you know, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be one of those guys tearing up the indies uh, in a few months. Mojo Raleigh. Mojo, again, not surprised. He wasn't being used. But also a guy who... It didn't feel like, you know, they they were they had reinvented his character. They never really went anywhere with the reinvention. Then they pretended they didn't reinvent his character in the build-up to WrestleMania 36 because they just were like, never mind all that stuff with the Luna Vachon makeup and the mirror breaking and stuff like that. I'm best friends with Gronk. So they had him get hype again for Gronk's debut. Then Gronk went back to playing football which, I mean, what did he go? Win a Super Bowl or something? I don't know what his deal is. But Gronk, even though he got a Mattel action figure, and I don't, ended up not a WWE superstar anymore. So, what does that leave for Mojo? What's he going to go back to the character that he was building and gave up on because of Gronk? I, I think that, I think that, uh, what I'm saying is, let's blame Gronk for this. Let's blame Gronk for the fact that this happened to Mojo, 100%. Uh, and then, the to me, by far, the biggest surprises. Chelsea Green is probably my fourth biggest surprise on the list. But these are the big, big surprises. From, top to, from, from third to first biggest surprise, although it's not really fair to rank them like that because they're all big surprises here. Peyton Royce released. Now, Peyton was being used. Peyton just had a match with Asuka in the build-up to WrestleMania. Peyton was just on Raw Talk delivering that promo. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I guess they weren't big on the Iconics because they broke up the Iconics, but they didn't really do anything with Peyton after they broke up with the Iconics. It seemed like, you know, they tried, maybe Peyton wasn't happy. I don't know. I'd love to find that out because they tried to do like a tag team with her and Lacey Evans. And like Peyton was tweeting, she'll never have another tag team partner, except Lacey was definitely her tag team partner. But then Lacey stopped being her tag team partner because she started hanging out with Ric Flair. So I don't know what was happening there. But I I mean, I, I love the Iconics together. So I that's, that's I, to me, I would have, I think Billy Kay and Peyton Royce need to remain joined as they explore what the next thing is. And, you know, maybe she'll go to AEW. She's got that connection. Sean Spears, who's either fiance or husband or whatever. They're in a, a long-term committed relationship. So he could probably could in a good put in a good word. Maybe he could talk to MJF, could talk to Telly Blanchard, could talk to Cody Rhodes, could talk, I don't know what could talk to Tony Khan. I don't know what the chain of command is over there. But maybe they end up there. I don't know. Because Billy Kay also released. Billy Kay was utterly shocking and soul crushing. I literally sent out a tweet that Billy Kay was perfect at WrestleMania. She was so funny, so entertaining. Now 
when releases like this happen, all we as fans know is the story that we know. All we know is what's on TV. All we know is how we react to these people as performers. And while that should be the end-all, be-all, it's just not the end-all, be-all. We never know the full story. And we never know what the explanations might be. Billy Kay is a tough one for me to swallow. Everything she was doing all year, she's been on fire. Every segment she's been in has been good. She's hilarious. You know, I, I think she should go. Here's what I would do. If I was running, not saying backyard wrestling, which we are still looking for some angel investors. Because when I do a backyard wrestling league, I do a backyard wrestling league, okay? I'm trying to get some real money and hire some real talent. So I'm telling you right now, Billy Kay is my authority figure. If I'm on Monday Night Raw right now, Titus O'Neil is the GM. After what I saw at WrestleMania, Titus O'Neil should be an authority figure on Monday Night Raw, period. Whether it's Ring of Honor, whether it's AEW's, whether it's Impact Wrestling, make Billy Kay a GM. Make her an authority figure. Change her gimmick a little bit so she's a little less goofy, a little more villainous, but still silly. Money, 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 money. I'm telling you, just give that lady a mic and put her in the context of professional wrestling and she's perfect. Perfect. She's just developed into a talent that I think is pretty special. And she did one time shove a cupcake in my hair. And she did, her and Peyton Royce together ruined multiple suits that I wore to uh, watch-alongs and pre-shows and stuff like that. And I really don't appreciate that. Looking back, I might have been a little bit snide, condescending, and insulting. Maybe I had it coming. I don't know. But I don't appreciate it. However, I still think they're great. And then finally, Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe, I mean, you know, I, I, I think that I'm like the rest of you, where it's just like, what? He is a main event level wrestler. He could work as a manager. He can cut a promo. He's great on commentary. He could do anything. You, I, I would think that he's got a great mind for wrestling. He could be a booker. He could be a producer. He could do whatever you want, I think. Which leads me to believe he'll also be fine. Like, he's not going to, and I think WWE knows that, but I, I would love, even candidly, to have a conversation with somebody that just goes, "What? how come, why, why did you release Samoa Joe? You know? I'm assuming that the release of Samoa Joe was in direct correlation with the hiring of Pat McAfee. So anybody that's upset about Samoa Joe not being in WWE you should probably take it out on Pat McAfee. I'm kidding. Sometimes people mistake my dry wit and sarcasm for seriousness. But yeah, man, that's a mystery to me. Um, I don't want to get too much in to what I would do with Samoa Joe because I'm going to be talking about Samoa Joe and some other things with Kaz. You know here on Not Sam Wrestling, we have the best conversations about wrestling anywhere in the podcast world. So let's keep it going. Kaz is my guest this week. Well, I'm Not Sam Wrestling. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Well, Not Sam Wrestling has become the home of the greatest conversations about wrestling in the world, and that's all because of the people that we have on here to help us have one of those conversations. A former writer for the WWE, somebody who I think, I mean, I, one of the people who I think a lot of people know 
just from Twitter because he's got fire tweets. I've heard that from multiple people. Oh, why do you why do you follow Kaz? Like, where do you know him from? I don't know. I guess I just saw his tweets. Uh, <laughs> he's now a host on the MSG Network here in New York. He's got his uh, podcast, Say Less with Kaz. What's going on, Kaz? How are you? I'm I'm great, Sam. And you know what? I'm glad that the tweets are the nice opening for people to like me because, <laughs> you know, if they, if they got to know me first and then saw my tweets, it would be the complete opposite effect. <laughs> like, you know, I, I like you so much. And now these tweets make me think you're an entirely different person. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's good. It's good to be on the show. I love coming on the show and talking wrestling with you, man. Yeah. The tweets are a good representation. The tweets are your representative. And you're like, it's okay. my business card. It's <laughs> yeah. like, you haven't followed me? Like, you see the, the blue check? Oh, I'm yeah. serious here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and I told you, I reached out to you on your way to WrestleMania. You were there in the stadium, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, last weekend. And I was really, first of all, I was really happy for you. So before we get to Wale, because you know how happy I was for Wale, but for before sure. we get Definitely. there, your experience being there, first of all, you're in an interesting position, right? Because not only have you been backstage at WWE shows before, but these are your former co-workers that you're now yes. going back to see in a completely different scenario, in a completely different role. You're now there with Wale as, as part of the as part of the crew. So what was what was it like for you at WrestleMania from a professional perspective and then just from a fan perspective? Well, I, I think it started earlier in that week because we uh, we announced the Wally Mania drop. Yes, you know, obviously we couldn't we couldn't do Wally Mania the way we wanted to. I mean, the last thing I would want is like all of the WWE roster at a party. One person comes back <laughs> with a negative, a positive test, and it's like, all right, night two is canceled. Yeah. So I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm super good on that. But um, the Foot Locker and Foot Action collaboration was was really dope to do. Um, I worked with my man uh, John Hawk and um, Jed Berger and a bunch of other really dope designers and Wale to uh, kind of make this whole thing happen. So it kind of started early, and seeing like the reaction to that, seeing people, you know, we almost sold out of of every line of clothes, and just kind of seeing uh the reaction from the superstars that we featured mm-hmm. was really cool because i don't think they knew it was coming so like i know sasha banks had some really nice things to say booker t mark henry um everybody kofi the new day Big E. um so it was cool landing and seeing people like wearing the shirts and wearing the hoodies so it's like okay this is nice this is nice and then uh getting to the stadium and you know, obviously, everybody feels a type of way when they when they leave WWE because you know, it, it, for whatever reason, they can't. You could be one or the other, but the combination of not being there for a while, not having fans, uh, not being able to experience a show of fans, just really kind of made all the petty things I ever think about, like being a, 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 a I don't know, like a critiquer or mm-hmm. talking about wrestling. Like I didn't care. I was just there to have fun and see my friends. And, um, you know, it was really cool being back there and everybody, everybody's just showing like so much love. And, you know, a lot of these guys I haven't seen in a long time. I don't know if they've been keeping up with, with what I've been doing with MSG or my podcast or with Spring Hill and LeBron and all those folks. But they were super duper cool. Um, I mean, just guys that I still keep in touch with on a regular basis, like, you know, from New Day guys and Heyman and, you know, Lashley and the Hurt Business and all those dudes. And, uh, you know, just it was it was just a great experience. Like it was I felt like I was back in high school, like a high school reunion yeah. sort of thing and catching up with old friends and catching up with their families and seeing all that. It was 
it was doubly enjoyable. Like if you're a casual fan who got there and enjoyed it, I enjoyed it like 10 times more because it's like, <laughs> oh my God, these are my friends. And like, they're like really happy to be back doing what they do so good. And that's entertaining, you know, live audiences. So I, I really enjoyed it. And I mean, I got to believe too, that when you're designing shirts for these people, or when you're part of that process, right? That it has to feel so rewarding when the people that you designed on the shirt <laughs> is wearing the shirt. Like, I feel like, Everywhere I looked that weekend, Mark Henry was sporting his Wale Mania Mark Henry shirt. He just it's, it's, he seemed proud of it. And I was like, that's that's the mark of success. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of it, it was like the reason why, you know, we were celebrating black champions. Yes. And, uh, you know, we have uh, and, and obviously Wale Mania is for everybody. But, you know, it's it's really built within, uh, you know, it, it sprung up uh, out of a culture that we seven years ago didn't think was fully represented. You know what I mean? Yes. Like so having being able to have an artist like Wale be such a huge wrestling fan and you know be able to take his fame and take everything he does and just give it back to this community that we love, it was just a nice marriage. And being able to celebrate, you know, champions that we look up to, champions that we're fans of, champions that we're friends of, and them actually like the stuff and like the merch and wear it and pump it for like without even asking them, yeah, you know, that is, uh, they have a million shirts that they sell at WrestleMania weekend. And for them to be either wearing it or showing it off, it meant the world to me, man. That was really dope. How great was it when Michael Cole made that call at the beginning of the match? Like it what like so often those moments are kind of like, like wink, it, wink, nudge, nudge. Exactly. Like this is historic. <laughs> you know why? And stuff like that. And for Michael Cole to sit there and say, this is the first time two black women are headlining WrestleMania. It was like, there it is. Thank there you. it is. And that's that's why Michael Cole's the GOAT, man. Yeah. Like he it's obviously we all know why it was special. They were tiptoeing around it throughout the road to WrestleMania. But a lot of times you just gotta come out and say it. You gotta make sure people understand the gravity and why it's important. And uh man, I don't know if WWE cameras caught this or anything like that, but Right before, I, I, I didn't hear the call, obviously. I'm in the crowd or whatever, right? And, you know, Bianca and Sasha, I can curse on here, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Bianca and Sasha are standing in the middle of the ring before they, before they uh, you know, square off. And they're looking at each other. And if you see, they both turn and look camera side. Uh -huh. And everyone sit down. And there's a picture of it on Sasha's Instagram. And I stood up and I said, let's fucking go, ladies. <laughs> let's go. I started clapping. And they looked and they looked at each other. And then, like, everybody started getting, like, the chill bumps. Like, oh, my God, it's really about to go down. And I think, you know, it was the – I was there for Sasha Bailey in Brooklyn. Yep. And at that point, that was the best women's match, one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. And that was the only other time I got goosebumps watching a match, you know what I mean, where it's – you know, they've, they've come so far, you know what I mean? Not just those two particular talents, but just women's wrestling in general, black entertainers in, in WWE in general, like they've come so far in such, you know, a relatively short amount of time, you know, it didn't, it didn't seem like a character like Sasha Banks could even exist in the WWE world 10 years ago, you know? And now that they're the, the headlining event at WrestleMania, Bianca Bella wasn't on the main roster last year. I know. You know, so it's it was incredible. Michael Cole, I'm so glad he made it known. I'm glad they didn't tiptoe around that. I'm glad they didn't say, oh, this isn't about race. I guess it isn't on the most part, but acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. And he did that. Yeah. Like just like the idea that like, well, this isn't black history. This is history. Well, it's both. 
right? It like is, it's yeah. both. And like <laughs> the whole point of not acknowledging that it's also black history is that lack of rep. What, if we're going to go forward with representation, we should represent the fact that black history is a thing. Yes. And that, that that's what's moving forward along with legitimate history, by the way, along with women's history and all, like they, they, it all coexists. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and it wasn't just like, oh, they're getting this match for the history. It was like, no, they were the main attraction that night. Yeah. Out of all the matches on night one, that one match everybody wanted to see the most and they delivered both of them. I mean, Sasha Banks, I've said it many times, is the greatest women's wrestler I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, there's never been a big match where she didn't outperform or didn't show out. And she did what she had to do. I know we give Bianca Belair all the flowers because, you know, she's... I said she's the flojo of wrestling. I'm like, yo, you give her the ball and she will take WWE into places that they've never been. Granted, The Rock is The Rock. Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Cena, Cena. Bianca Belair, a black woman being at the top of your company is going to take it places that it's it's never entered. Yeah. You know, so, but I think while doing that, we got to acknowledge Sasha Banks as well for being, you know, just the perfect dance partner for this moment. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and, 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 Everything about that. That's why I loved it so much, too. And that's why I felt a similar way when Becky, Charlotte, and Ronda headlined WrestleMania 35. And it was like, this is just that that was the moment for women's wrestling in general. And part of that moment is I think you made a great point is this isn't in the main event for history's sake. What makes it historic is it's in the main event for main event's sake. What makes it historic is there's a stadium full of people that are watching this going this is the main event. They see it as the main event. They don't see it as, well, we're doing this because it's time. They mm -hmm. see it as we're doing this because this is how these things work. The biggest match oh, you, goes you on. Can't, you can't look at Bianca Belair, even back in the combine days on like NXT combines and not say this person's a major star. Yeah. And obviously we said about a lot of people that come and kind of go, but it's a whole other thing to kind of live up to that promise and she's done it every step of the way. She killed that Royal Rumble. She killed it on NXT, even though she was never NXT Women's Champion. I feel like this kind of makes it a little bit more satisfying. Yeah. That they knew, they saw, they had the foresight to be like, this ain't the moment right now. Uh -huh. This is the moment yeah. to, to kind of crown her as that as that face of the company. And um, man, it was, it was, it was one of the, it's a historic night for many reasons. You've mentioned it with the fans being back in arenas and stadiums and stuff like that. Like it felt normal. It felt good. Like everybody just felt good after that night. And I, it was, it was so much fun. So I'm, so, much fun to be there. I'm so glad you brought up the combine because I watched it when it first came on. And I remember like sitting there on a weekend and just leaving it on. It's like five hours long or whatever it is. And you just, it's just, it's just interesting. It's an interesting thing to just have on in the yeah. background while you, while you go through your day. But I remember specifically Bianca at that combine. I remember going up to her at the next show after that, like talking like I, what you did with that deadlift was unbelievable. And she goes, and she was like, yeah, and you know, I hadn't deadlifted in like whatever she said, a year or two before the combine. I didn't even think I was going to deadlift that day because I had hurt my back or whatever. And But she was like, but once I got there, I did it. And I was like, <laughs> and you're just setting records just because I didn't know I was going to do that this morning when I woke up. But why not? It's here. Let's do yeah, it. And, and they haven't had one since. I so know. It kind of makes you think like they knew what they had with her yeah know, from day one it's like okay we're gonna have a combine now and never have another one again because it's like all right well 
<laughs> we got to let people know that this person is going to be special. And she's lived up to it ever since. So what was the what was the vibe like? You were there as a fan yes. in the audience. Uh, what was the vibe like first time back for everybody? You were there for both nights, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the vibe was uh, night one. I know we talked about it off air, but I felt like night one, everyone was just happy to be there. Yeah. Right? Like uh, we got there right as uh, the rain delay happened. And, you know, I'm tweeting like, yo, I'm, I'm all the WrestleMania. I'm, I think I've been to the last. I mean, obviously not counting last year. I think I've been to the, every WrestleMania since uh, 31. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've never had a rain delay. You know, uh, they've all been outdoors, except for, I think, AT&T Stadium and, and um, New Orleans. But also, all of them have been outdoors and there's never been a weather issue. So I'm sitting here like, how the hell are they going to wrestle? What's going to happen? And for a minute. I thought they were going to either postpone it or cancel, not cancel it, but, you know, just whatever. But then I started thinking, like, this is Vince McMahon. A a nuclear bomb could be going off (laughs) down the street, and he's going to make sure that the the show happens. Yeah. And I think by the time everybody got into their seats and everybody sat down, like, nobody cared that it was raining. Like, we were sitting ringside, and there was these tarps on top of the ring to keep the ring dry and you know they're all kind of filling up a little water bottle bubbles on the side of it and every five minutes it was like you can't do that on television on nickelodeon (laughs) we're just like dumps of water are just falling on random people saying like i don't know and it splashed like all over and nobody cared nobody had a nobody gave a damn at all like they were just happy to be outside happy to have a little bit of sense of normalcy and uh, i think i had the same sort of uh feeling um night two however felt a little bit more like uh a little bit like a, a, a return you know yeah. <laughs> like, so um obviously i was there at wale uh-huh. and uh you know he was performing biggie's entrance and we you know we had the the the, the footlocker thing and we did a couple appearances and you know we, we linked with e and obviously they've been working on the song for a long time and um usually there'd be a rehearsal, right? (laughs) But if you remember that day, there was like monsoons in Tampa Bay the whole day. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't even get to the stage to rehearse before fans got into the stadium. And uh, so nobody knew what to do. I mean, like we knew like, as far as like music cues, I went to the truck and be like, hey, you know, come out on this part and that part. And then after like five minutes of talking with, you know, the producers and talking with, uh, you know, the, the TV guys and talking with Ian, talking with Wale, I'm like, oh my God, I'm back at work again. I'm producing the segment. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm producing yeah. the segment now. So I'm like, all right. I'm like, E, you come out on the beat drop and then Wale, like you, you know, once you say doing it big and then the fireworks are going to hit and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, am I producing? the entrance right now like yeah man, that's, that's what it felt like right so I'm, I'm in gorilla you know vince is there triple h is there you know everybody who's there is supposed to be there is there um i think sheamus and riddle had just finished and uh you know sheamus tore it down they, i think it was a crazy crazy finish i think it was uh, a bro kick off that back flip or whatever dude, it was the and, most beautifully timed brogue kick i've ever seen in my life oof. and he came in pumped right mm-hmm. like and i started getting the flashbacks like when you hit something like when there's those moments i've been i've been in gorilla and backstage for those moments when the guys come out the curtain and they're fired up and they know they did something special and they did that so now i'm like oh my god what if they don't i mean it's a musical performance like you know they could be totally off this and not be <laughs> really yeah. with it uh but i think the seven years that Wale has uh, really put in 
to the wrestling business. I mean, to, to, to the public's eyes, right? Like he's been a lifelong wrestling fan, but I think the seven years of Wale Mania and the moments that we've kind of helped produce during WrestleMania weekend uh, really helped. Cause as soon as Greg Hamilton gave that money intro for him, and the crowd cheered, which, you know, you never really know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the crowd cheered. And then uh, they did the first verse. And as soon as E came out and the fireworks hit, I got those I got those chill bumps I used to get when I was being gorilla. When I'm like, okay, we got one. Like, the crowd's into it. Everybody's going crazy. Like, you know, the, the commentators are feeling it. Like, everything was hitting on the money. And, um, man, it was an incredible experience. It was, it was really really fun to kind of be back there again and feel that energy from everybody and um another i mean to make it even more full circle than that the first uh wrestlemania me wale and emilio went to was down in 31 for san jose and uh i think one i think that saturday we went to an indie show um down in like some barn like not like in, in san jose or whatever and people on the card were Apollo Cruz, Ricochet, <laughs> Rich Swan, uh, you know, but Apollo was the guy, he was, you know, he was the main guy over there. And we took a picture. And then, you know, seven years later, like we're all kind of like going through the match and we're all just, it's me, Wale, eating and 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 Uha. And we're just looking at each other like, can you fucking believe this? Like we have to do this, you know? So like, it was really special, man. Apollo and Wale's relationship. I don't know if anybody knows, but like it was Wale who um, got Mark Henry's attention with Uha slash Apollo Crews to even get him signed. And to see the years that Apollo's kind of gone through sort of finding himself and then finding himself recently and having that big WrestleMania moment and winning the Intercontinental Championship on top of, uh, escorting Biggie to the ring, it was like it's okay if we didn't have Wale Mania this year. This made up for it. This yeah, more man. than made up for it. <laughs> and, and you know, I think the thing with Wale that I mean, I know because I've known you guys for so long is that people they they kind they know he's a big fan, right? But they just kind of lump him in. They're like, yeah, he's a celebrity who's a big fan, so. You know, WWE gives him a call, and it's it's just that easy. But like, man, it's really not, <laughs> bro. Like, I know, literally yeah. for years, having conversations with Wale, of being like, man, I don't know why WWE doesn't respond to this, or I don't know why they don't get what I'm doing here. No, I don't we know used why. To like, buy our own tickets. Uh, we used to buy our own tickets. <laughs> like, we used to buy our own front row tickets to go to every show on some Spike Lee shit just to right. be there. And this is like, you know? this is not like before Wale was, Wale was famous already. Dude, the first, the first minute we went to, he drops an album with Jerry Seinfeld that week, <laughs> that week. And he's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm going to pay for my tickets. And I'm sure we could have made a few calls and got some tickets and been somewhere. But he's like, no, I'm a fan. I want to be front row. I want to feel the action. I want everything to be involved with it. So it's like, no, like Wale was, Wale's, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't recent. Like we've been working for this yeah. for a very, very long time. And the the relationship between Hunter and, and Wale and myself and and Neil, who does all the WWE music and, and even Vince now at this point, Stephanie, they're so appreciative and they're so, it's like a complete 180 from, do these people even know we exist and why it's important to, yeah. oh man, like, this is, you know, now, now 
he almost feels like part of the family. Like he goes backstage, everybody knows him, everybody says what's up, it's all loved. But a lot of these guys he's seen at indie shows before they even signed to WWE, so they know he's legit. Right. And uh, you know, it's and like you said it, Sam, you 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 were there. Like we would we would have these combos with you, and they were like, We don't know why they won't like kind of let us be involved. So I mean it, I, it, it's all full circle, man. I, I think I posted a picture. It was me, Rosenberg, and Wale. And we were literally, we were at the Hammerstein Ballroom TNA Impact shows. Like, that's the level that, like, yes. you know, it's the real deal. So, uh, coming off of WrestleMania and coming off of that high and everything, it just, you know, what did you, what did you think about the shows after Mania? Raw, NXT, SmackDown. Well, uh, I mean... The commentators, you know what I mean? Like, I thought, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Pat McAfee and uh, what he's doing on SmackDown, so I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Adnan Verk uh, addition to commentary is, is, uh, is, is a choice, and I think it's going to make... I think they're really going more for like the sports and the sports entertainment recently. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of dig that choice or whatever. But you know, um, Raw was cool. I mean, obviously it's not the it's not the typical Raw after WrestleManias we're used to with the fans pretty much being a, with with the show being much pretty much being like a a fan appreciation night type of show. Yeah, where they just kind of let the fans just take over and we get the big pops for the returns and nothing of real consequence happens unless like you know somebody cashes the money in the bank or whatever. It's or like, return or something, yeah. Whatever didn't happen at WrestleMania, we will make sure you guys are satisfied on Raw or either SmackDown. Yeah. So, um, outside of like Charlotte's return and you know a couple of other things that happened, I think it was just you know it was it was another Raw. I think obviously, if you didn't realize how big of a change the shows are with fans in the crowd, you knew that very next <laughs> week. <laughs> you know, once it was back to Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, it's like it's like oh man. I really miss watching crowds in there, you know, right back to it. Yeah. Oh, th- oh, this is, oh, right. This is how we do this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was watching going like, okay, we're just back to it. And part of me feels like, okay, you know, and I don't know anything about any, you know, inside source on, on what their touring, uh, outlook looks like, but you know, I have eyes, I can look at the world around me and I can look at people getting vaccines and I can look at musicians selling concert tickets and I can look at how things are moving. And it feels like it's not gonna be that long before we're able to take TV on the road again, before we're able to be in front of live crowds again. And so part of me feels like, okay, like it wasn't really a raw after WrestleMania. It was just a raw that was after WrestleMania, right? It was just like, that's just where we're at. But I, I wondered if maybe some of the sort of bigger drops that we would usually get on the raw after Mania, maybe that's being saved because hopefully by SummerSlam, say I would think by the end of August, We'll be back in front of people again, and maybe maybe some of those bigger moments—a Becky Lynch return, a Ronda Rousey return, a Brock Lesnar return—whoever's wh- coming out, maybe yeah, some yeah. NXT call-ups. Maybe they're thinking, "Why don't we hedge our bets here? Let's go with what we've got. It's only a couple of months, and let's hit them once the once the crowds are back." And honestly, I'm glad they stuck to it. I'm glad it wasn't, you know, I'm glad WrestleMania wasn't littered with a bunch of big returns or surprise pops or big, uh, you know, reveals or anything like that. I'm glad both shows felt like they were payoffs to at least 
six months to year long storylines, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the people, I mean, outside of Bailey, and even though Bailey did get a pretty good uh, showcase with a bunch of legends, this WrestleMania really felt like, yo, thanks for holding us down during a tough time, right? It's like, a celebration. Drew got his moment. Bobby got his moment. You know, Sasha and Bianca, obviously the main event with Roman Edge and Daniel Bryan, like, these were the people we've been following for the past year when we very easily could have been like, ah, you know what? No fans. I'm good. You know? And, uh, they, they held it down. They kept our attention. Each match felt important. Um, but yeah, like I got my eye on SummerSlam. I think by, by the time we hit August, by the time, uh, you know, it's, it's the second biggest show. Uh, I'm assuming they're not going across the, across the pond to do any uh, (laughs) big, uh, stadium shows or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I got my eyes on SummerSlam, man. I think right around that time, uh, we should have a couple of those big moments. And you know what? It's gonna make those moments even better because now you've you've established that Bianca Belair is a main event player. Mm-hmm. Bobby Lashley is a main event player. Drew McIntyre are main event players. Ed Roman. I mean, obviously they already are. But now you got better and more fun toys to play with. For Becky Lynch when she comes back, for Brock Lesnar when he comes back, for a lot of these people, for the NXT call-ups, maybe Adam Cole, maybe you know some guys from the Undisputed Era. Um, there's, there's, it's always a good time to be a wrestling fan around the spring and the summer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes in the fall or winter you can kind of fall off. There's football going on, there's basketball, there's all these other things happening. But spring to summer <laughs> is the nice little sweet spot right there. So I'm hoping I'm hoping it stays that way. Yeah, because when you think about Becky, like literally the whole world's changed since Becky was gone. Like Becky's coming back and you've got Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley on the top of the mountain who weren't even in the conversation as far as the main roster goes when Becky left. And even for Brock what was once a reach, like it was once a, like, yeah, I guess on paper I could see where that would be cool, but I have no idea how we get there. Now, the Lashley-Lesnar match is almost like a, it's a no-brainer. It's like, of course that's where we're going to go. And that wasn't, we were nowhere near that a year ago when Brock left. Yeah, yeah. And um, you got to give the old man credit, man. Like there's so many times I'm like, why haven't this, why hasn't this match been done? That times when I was over there, I'm like, why hasn't this match been done? Why not? Why not? You got to give the old man credit if you're going to give him as much criticism as possible, because now Bobby Lashley is an attraction. Bobby Lashley is a guy. They've given the spit shine to him. They've done a complete revamp of his entire uh, presentation. And now when Brock Lesnar comes back, I'm not so sure Brock Lesnar just beats him. If Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley took on each other two years ago, I'm like, it's a good look for Bobby, but obviously he's not going to beat Brock Lesnar. Now, <laughs> well, not so sure. Yeah, not so sure. Yeah. I didn't think I, I I told MVP this after WrestleMania. I was like, I was so pleasantly surprised that you guys retained because I would have bet my pinky toe that Drew was going over. <laughs> and uh, I was pleasantly surprised. It's like, okay, it's rare i mean you're obviously the biggest wrestling historian i know one of them it's rare that somebody goes into wrestlemania the wwe champion and walks out the wwe champion and no matter how you slice it no matter where that match was put on the card even though it was an opener that is a historic place to be for bobby lashley you are a made guy now especially when bobby's going in a heel and especially the way he retained like People want to say, I, I know, <laughs> like people want to go like, well, MVP distracted him. I'm like, that's the weakest distraction that I've yeah. ever seen in my life. I watched that match 
And I said, there is no way. We're staying in canon. There is no way. I didn't even notice it. Me, I didn't even notice it live. Like right. if you're there watching it live, you don't even notice that I had to go and watch the, the replay on Peacock <laughs> and it was the quick hesitation. I was like, oh, that's that's what caused it. But, but that's more of a still, that's more of that's Drew making a mistake and getting that's distracted. Exactly. That's yeah, that's that's Drew. Like I left going like, okay, as a wrestling fan in this world, Bobby Lashley's a better wrestler than Drew McIntyre. Period. Yeah. Like that yeah. tonight, he wasn't that night. I don't know you if could uh, catch him, you could catch somebody on the schoolboy, you could catch somebody on the quick pin. When you put him out, yes. Ooh, yes. Yeah, you're a made dude. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know how deep you were able to keep your eyes on NXT, like with the two-day takeover going yep. into NXT TV on Tuesday. But man, I love I first of all, I think that takeover came back in a big way. The last one, I don't remember if it was Vengeance Day or what it, like the last takeover before this one. It was for the first time in a while. I was like, I'm starting to feel like this is takeover again. Like this is, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. And then I got that feeling again, this last one at, at, at uh, takeover stand and deliver with the two day takeover. But I think it's even more important is that it feels like they decided, okay, now's the time to pull the trigger and just introduce, this is a new cycle. We've got a new champion. We've got a new women's champion. These are people that you might not have expected to hold that gold to start with. You know, you still got Gargano over here. You know, we're, we're sitting here putting Walter over Champa. Like this is not this is not a brand that's afraid to shake things up. And and I, I think that they had a really strong showing, especially with the Tuesday show. I actually thought I thought that out of the three shows as an after WrestleMania show as that sort of kickoff to the new season show. Mm -hmm. I thought NXT had the best of the three. Yeah, I thought the moment between Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, and uh, Raquel Gonzalez uh. was so well done. Um, they rarely get those moments on NXT, and it felt like graduation. It felt like yeah. it felt like the kids coming back to campus and being like, "Hey, we did it. We made it," you know. And uh, that was really tight. But you met you mentioned it, man. Like, obviously, the one thing that makes NXT takeovers so um, different from other pay-per-views is the fan experience there, right? I always said, yo, if you like entertainment, pay-per-views are always your go-to. And, and for a long time, I mean, you've been there for a long time, the NXT takeovers that happened the weekends of WrestleMania oh. have usually been better than WrestleMania, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, on top of that, it's like, okay, well, now you're doing it for two nights. Um, you don't have as much. You have a little bit of it, but you don't have as much of that rabid NXT fan base that really separates that from you know the the main roster Raw and SmackDown products. But I thought it was so well done. I mean, I, I'm, I'm such I'm such a fan of Io Shirai, and mm. like every time she goes out there, she does something that makes me go. I, on, if you see her walking down the street. I don't think you see just you realize how much of a badass that is just walking in there, right? Yeah. And every time the lights go on and, and it's a main event show, she show, she shows you exactly why she's a badass. On top of that, man, I mean, the Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly storyline was told so well. It made sense. I didn't want any of those guys to lose, but the right person, you know, uh, won at the end. And... Like you said, nice fresh coat of paint for everything, right? Mm -hmm. Like even though it's a different year, things have been very, you know, shaken up in, in certain ways. I almost felt like since NXT came onto network television, that that 
call-up moments don't really happen anymore, right? Like, it almost right. feels like, no, NXT is legitimately a third brand. So Gargano's going to be here. Champa's going to be there. Cole and these guys are going to be there. But now I'm not so sure, right? Like, now it's like, okay, well, you know, Karrion Cross is it's going to be a new era of him being the champ. I don't know what's going to be made of Finn Balor. Um, I don't know if he goes to the UK and, and takes on Walter. That's what I want to see. Um, you know, you got a new women's champion with a ton. I mean, the NXT women's division, we could spend a whole <laughs> hour on that, just how deep that thing is. But I mean, even the mid card, like I'm a big fan of Bronson Reed. I thought Bronson Reed had a great show. And great. I love, I've been singing the praises of Isaiah Swerve Scott for a long time. And I Same. think he's really getting into his character really well. Uh, Leon Ruff, obviously love that guy. And uh, even Dexter Lu- like everything is, the. Uh, you can tell the health of a show by its mid card. Right? Yeah, if Cameron Grimes. Is healthy, Can't, we didn't even mention Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes, Come like on. that dude. It, he's ready. He's ready. Like yeah. if, if they need him on Raw SmackDown tomorrow, like he would be at money to uh, to excuse the pun or whatever. But <laughs> I think with NXT, man, I love that they moved to Tuesdays. I love that they got their own time to shine. It's really hard to really get involved with each and every show when you're flipping back and forth. And I think they really took advantage of that. So, um, like I said, you can tell the health of a good show by how good his mid-card is. And the mid-card, if you got Walter doing, you know, mid-card matches, you know what I mean? Like, you got a pretty healthy program on your hands. So, I, I thought it was dope. I mean, you know the world. For me, I'm going, look, I don't care. Walter says he's not moving to the States. Walter says he's staying in the UK. Walter can stay whatever, say whatever he wants. I think it's a matter of time before Vince sees Walter in the right match and just whatever money Walter needs to come to the States. I There is no way in my mind that Walter does not end up on the main roster soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, anybody who will ask me, I'm like, the best match I saw all year last year was Walter versus um, Dragunov yeah. on NXT UK. Just brutality at its finest. And... Vince loves a big, ugly guy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he does. Vince loves a big dude who just looks like he could hurt you and you don't want to walk into a, in a dark alley. And Walter checks all the boxes, man. Like, the longer he's the champ, the longer he holds that NXT gold, the more prestige that title gets. And the more prestige that title gets, the more prestige that brand gets. And you could only hold this guy overseas so long before Vince is like, I want to see him and Bobby Lashley. I want to see him in Brock Lesnar. I want to see him in Drew McIntyre. Oh. I want to see him how with about, Finn Balor. I mean, like, you know? how about Walter versus Sheamus? Like, I think Sheamus is underrated. Like, I don't think people realize what an Sheamus? ass kicker Sheamus yes. is. Like, yes. Sheamus throws down. And I mean, you want to, you, you, if you like brutality, oh, a Walter versus Sheamus match would be mm. insane. Yes. Sheamus. I don't know if people have been watching a lot of Sheamus matches on Raw lately, especially against Matt Riddle. Yes. But he's been having some absolute bangers on Raw lately. And, uh, yeah, you nailed it, man. Like, Sheamus is a guy who people don't really, like, say first. Right. talk about guys with, like, great matches and great, I don't know, work rate, whatever the the hell people use. (laughs) But, I mean... He's a guy who I'm like, I want to see him just beat the snot out of somebody and get the snot beat out of him by. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can, I, 
I want to see it. I I, I want to see Walter on Monday Night Raw one day and just show up with the with the hands behind his back and just super gentlemanly beating the crap out of people. I I'm all the way for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned up the uh, you mentioned the uh, moving to the two day thing, the Tuesday and Wednesday separation. I thought it was really interesting. So ratings for both shows went up. I mean, I thought AEW's ratings were crazy this yeah, week. I don't know yeah. if you, I don't know if you check like the ratings. I don't pay too much attention to them because I'm a wrestling fan. I'm not. Well, they like cracked a the million. They TV, the but million. yeah, 1.2 that, million so. is 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 yeah. a crazy number. Uh, but NXT doing 800 thousand is also pretty amazing for a wrestling show that wasn't getting 800 thousand every week on a new night. Like people have mm-hmm. to having to retrain to go to Tuesday. So both shows were really successful, but. I, I feel two ways about it. I feel like this first week, it's tough to say exactly how things are going to go because, like, I was excited. Like, I was really happy that, that NXT was on in its own space and you can just kind of sit and enjoy it. But this was really, since it came out, like, because, you know, I'm, a, I'm an NXT fan. I've been an NXT fan for the longest. So, like, that's why I don't bring up a lot of AEW on the podcast because I can't critique it or compliment it properly because I've watched, you know, 15 minutes of the show, jumping back and forth or whatever. It's not really fair. But, like, this week was one of the first weeks, I think, that I really, like, sat down without being terribly distracted and got to watch Dynamite. And I was like, I was like, this is nice. This is a good, like, this is is fun. Like, I I don't know. But here's here's my hang-up. And this is something a lot of people aren't bringing up because they're saying well you'll take their numbers and they'll get them separately and both numbers will go up and i'm like yeah but what about when fatigue starts to set in do you think Mm. that that there's a concern here when you're going like monday raw tuesday nxt wednesday dynamite take a breath on thursday maybe watch impact if you're feeling it Mm. and then friday you're back to smackdown like i wonder if it won't eventually potentially hurt both shows that there's just a lot of people that don't want to watch wrestling every single night. I mean, I, 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 if you scroll through the, the the podcast comments of the Mass Man Show, the YouTube comments, <laughs> they say the same thing. It's like, you guys just talk about NXT. You never mentioned AEW. And it's like, well, I don't want to disrespect AEW because it's on on a Wednesday. And if I have a whole big bloviating opinion on something that I've only kind of watched, right? you'll hate me for it. And it's like, all right, like, I know this is weird. I'm not going to comment on things that I don't watch because <laughs> a lot of people do that. But I, I think it's different. I think wrestling is in such a healthy space right now, despite the fact that we're still technically in a pandemic, um, that I don't think anybody's really going to suffer in the long run. I mean, like, if you could, if you could say any brand can afford to... I don't know, lose a few viewers or just kind of like not be as popping as something else. That's, I mean, NXT obviously doesn't, I think, I think the pressure's off NXT now, right? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like on Wednesdays it was, oh my God, just the NXT versus AEW war. And clearly the a- dynamite is their Monday night raw. Like they're not, they're not pulling punches on it's that everything. show yeah. where clearly NXT is, there's a pecking order in WWE and NXT as much as I love it, as much as the fans love it, it's not going to get the same love and attention as raw and SmackDown or pay-per-views are going to get. That's just the fact of life. Um, but now that, you know, you got Monday raw, Tuesday, NXT, Wednesday at dynamite, Thursday impact, Friday, SmackDown, 
I just believe that wrestling just in a healthy place. And yes. even if they aren't doing crazy 1998 numbers on ratings or whatever, and that's not happening for any time soon, I still think we're going to get more moments and more stars that are being born during this era than ever because there's never been this much wrestling on at one time, you know? Like, I mean, I'm sure there has been, but not on major networks, not mm -hmm. on not having primetime availability every single night. Every night of the week, you can watch some world-class professional wrestling, no matter what you're into, you know what I mean? So I, I think... I think obviously AEW benefits the most because now they're they're unopposed. They have, usually have great lead-ins, whether it's you know NBA on TNT or something like an Avengers movie or something like that. They're always gonna have a great lead-in right into their show. So even if you're not you or me, like big wrestling guys, they'll catch a few casuals here and there. Like, oh snap, Shaq's here, Snoop's here, Chris Jericho, uh, Cody. I know these people. Okay, I'll watch. You know, and um, with NXT. I, th I still think NXT remains, it keeps its charm as this, uh, you know, wrestling fans wrestling show mm -hmm. where it's just like it's bare bones. It's in a dark arena. Lights are down. You're going to see a whole lot of action, not a ton of promos. And, you know, it continues to have and, and the pressure's off of it to, to outshine AEW Dynamite, which is working with a different budget, a different level of talent, different level of uh, eyeballs. Like, it's just, you know, it's just easier. So, yeah, um, I, I'm enjoying it. I yeah, think it's good. I think it's really interesting because I think the strategy in NXT has always been, we're just going to concentrate on what we're doing and try to put out the best show. But it's really tough to do that when the whole world is comparing you. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just, you're constant. There's a bombardment of comparison coming your way. And you're right. When you don't have that comparison, now it's almost like people will leave you alone to just create the best wrestling show that you can create. And when NXT is left alone to create the best wrestling show that they can create, they could be dangerous, man. They could be yeah. really dangerous as far as NXT is, NXT is like Stephen Curry right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like when Steph Curry was on the Warriors with, with KD and everybody, everybody was just like, oh, God, they're going to win 80 games a year, win championships, all that type of stuff. Well, now that pressure's off. And right. now we can just enjoy Stephen Curry for the great Stephen Curry-ness, like the best shooter we've ever seen. All the Even if they lose games, who cares? It's like, wow, this is really great to watch. <laughs> and I feel like NXT is like that. It's like, okay, so what? They don't crack a million viewers every Tuesday night. I still get to see like Johnny Gargano, uh, Dexter Loomis, Leon Ruff, uh, Io Shirai, like these great people that I'm a fan of. Yeah. That, you know? Uh, what's the guy? Um, man, uh, Santos Escobar. Oh my you god, I mean? dude! Like I literally, I had this revelation watching Takeover. Like, and I, and I, I can't believe that at, at, in my 30s, I'm still having these moments. Because I remember having these moments as a kid, and it's yeah. the exact same moment where I knew I loved this guy, right? Yeah. And I've made no secret about it. And I'm watching this ladder match, and I go. Oh my God, he's my favorite wrestler. Like, it's like it's he's like you, truth, have, dude. you like, have this moment where I, you're like, "That's ever my favorite since wrestler." That first reveal, ever since that first reveal, when you know, I think I forgot what name he was going by in the cruiserweight. Uh, yeah, Phantasma. Yeah, the cruise Phantasma. Yeah. whatever. And uh, the whole reveal and the whole like reason for the reveal, I was immediately intrigued. Dude, and it's so it's so funny. I'm so glad you brought up that reveal because I remember that moment. Cause like mm. I was in my sort of smart mark, you know, it was like, why do they got this guy back in a mask? When they showed yeah. the piece, the, the, the PC, uh, recruitments, he wasn't wearing his mask in his picture. And now they put the mask back on who's running this show. Yeah. And it's like, Hey, Mark, 
Why don't you just let the let the show let, play let itself the out? Do the show stuff. Yeah. Let them handle it. Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, and, and, and he takes the know, thing off, and yeah, and I thought his entrance at, at Takeover was spectacular when he brought the thing down, and then he pulled the mask off, and I yeah, he's just so good. And I don't know if you saw the press conference that they did before that Takeover, mm. where Santos was cutting his promo, and Raquel did the same thing. They were both cutting promos in Spanish and in English, and it's mm. like, it's just it's lethal. It's so good. And honestly, I, I hate to bring this up negatively because I'm a mega fan of this dude. When I was working there, I was like begging to get him on TV because I was just a big fan of his work. But that's the difference between Andrade and, and Santos. Like, you got to be able to, you know, that English speaking barrier is big. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. incredible entering talent, undeniable entering talent, right? But Escobar could cut a promo just as good as English as he can in Spanish. And on top of that, he's got. I'm glad he had that run with the cruiserweight title. Now he can go on to bigger and better things. I think Kushida could, he could have a little, another blow off of Kushida and let Kushida kind of run it and, and hold it down for as long as he can. That dude is ready for, you know, they already kind of teased it. They kind of already toyed around with it with, with a uh, carrying Karen cross, cross and, and, and Santos a little bit, but eventually that's, well, I think that's the money match right there. I mean, eventually. think about, how differently and like uh, uh, Leo Rush had a great one run with the cruiserweight title. I would give Leo Rush credit for kind of bringing Love the Leo. bringing that yeah. title back into the fall. Yeah, me too. I think he's the best. Mm-hmm. But um, think about that championship, the cruiserweight championship. Think about where that title was when Santos won it versus where it is today. Think about the fact that his run. I think it's been his run that's made that. On the same a top tier title on the same tier as all as the North American Championship, like it's not looked at as this sort of prop championship yeah. for like two hundred five well, guys. It got stripped. It got stripped when with with the whole Enzo situation. Like, yeah, it was not in a great space. Like, and this is after, you know. The Cruiserweight Classic, which, you know, in, in, in all accounts, you go back and look at the people in the Cruiserweight Classic, like, oh, my God, how did they even pull this off? Right. You know what I mean? And, you know, that that was a hot title for a while. And now, you know, it, they had the tournament, which was dope. And it wasn't just – it's not just, okay, here's a time to get the high flyers over or whatever, like, or the smaller guys or whatever. Like, it was a great – and it's always been a great title to have. I mean, I think the Cedric Alexander Mustafa Ali match was was a banger at WrestleMania. Uh, I love them. Buddy Murphy was holding it down. But you know, you gotta have a certain star power when you're holding a title, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody says it. The man doesn't make the title doesn't make the man. The man makes the title. And you know, Santos absolutely has made that title feel important. And um, I think now that's that's all the proof you need that that guy could be at the top of NXT at the yeah. top of that. Yeah. And I hope it happens soon. Not yeah. terribly soon, but no. I hope they work their way to it. A nice build. I mean, it'd be cool to have him be the one that finally takes the tie, the North American Championship off Gargano. Like, wouldn't it be nice to have that kind of old school build where he spends all his time as the cruiserweight champion? Then he mm-hmm. spends like a solid eight 10 months as North American champion. And then we slowly get him into this place where it's like you get him to undeniable, not, Oh, I think this could work or, Oh, that might be cool. It's just like where everyone can feel 
that he doesn't have the belt yet, but that guy's the champion. It's he's the Shawn Michaels build, right? Yeah. Remember back in the day? Yeah. It was like, okay, he's the tag team champion. And it was like, okay, he was the heel once kind of champion. Then he gets hurt, comes back, wins it in the blue tights. Oh, yeah. And even though he's the even though he's not the world champion, everyone's like, this is the dude. You know what I mean? So like I, I hope we don't have bills like that anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. we have them, but they're not as they're not a they don't burn as slow. Like we kind of what we're we're very give it to me now sort of uh culture and i think that drips into our wrestling a little bit um Mm -hmm. man it's it's one of two things in wwe now they either wait until 15 years to finally give you a title (laughs) a title run or they give it to you right away there's no nice in between anymore i think that was my observation after like the big e documentary that they did on the network where you know they were talking about how long this guy has worked in in the span of time it was like nine years or whatever it was between his intercontinental championship runs. And I'm starting to sit there and I'm thinking there and like, okay. And I remember the Kofi doc and I remember the Drew doc and I remember, and I'm like, this shouldn't be the story. Why does it take <laughs> a decade or more to get these guys to where they need to be? <laughs> yeah. Nah, I, I, I feel you on that. It's like, I know this is supposed to be a feel-good moment, but it's like, goddamn! Like, <laughs> like these guys are clearly talented, you know. And obviously, you know, situations aren't called for whoever, whatever. And you know, depending on who's at the top and like what story is being told, I'm sure things get drug out. But I miss a nice old-school build where you just kind of, you know, back in back in the day when you play wrestling video games, don't jump right into the world title storyline. You got. No. You got to win the tag team with a tag team guy. Then you got to win the Intercontinental title or the European title back in the day. Yeah. And then then you get to, you know, mess with the big boys. So uh, I'm I'm a big, uh, all that to say, big, big stock on buying big stock on Santos Escobar, man. Like, especially with, you know, and I hate to make this a, you know, uh, a Latin, you know, uh, star or, or a Spanish star thing. But like, especially with the big loss of Andrade, um, you're going to need a guy like that. You know, it's just the facts, especially with, with, you know, how much Lucha Libre and Mexican wrestling is, you know, sprinkled in everywhere right now. You're going to need a guy like him to, to eventually carry that torch. Where do you want to see Andrade? Cause I'm also a, like a tremendous Andrade fan. Like I love Andrade. I loved him in NXT. I, I, I'm just a big, big, big Andrade fan, especially Same with Zelina Vega. Like like Man. that act together when they broke up yeah, and and uh uh what's his name? I'm blanking on his name now, but uh you know with the tearaway pants. Uh uh oh, uh, he hasn't um, been on TV. Oh, man. For, I know you're talking about Angel Garza. Angel Garza is like yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm like how could this guy not be on TV every week? The only reason yeah. I spaced on his name is cuz he's never on TV anymore, but I'm like <laughs> Angel Garza is so 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 good and bro the tearaway pants gimmick where he's tearing his pants away mid-match. It's, it's as so good as it school, gets. but it works. It's so good because it's like, it's like, I've never seen, it's like you tear away your pants like before the match and it's like, yeah. here's the big reveal. It's like, ah, like, oh, that jerk in his pants. Yeah. He's so handsome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, but just the idea, like I'm heating up, I'm heating up, I'm heating up. And just when you hit that pinnacle. Goodbye, pants. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is genius. No, man, I I, I love it. But uh, the fact that Zelina Vega and Andrade are both gone at the same time, I would think 
that whatever company picks one of them up should pick up the other one. I mean, I think that act should be back together. They were a just, money act. It was a they money, money, act, money yeah. act. Where would you like to see them? I mean, from I'll tell you my perspective. Hmm. AW has a lot of people on the roster. I mean, yes. you know, and I know they got like YouTube shows and stuff like that. But realistically, two hours of TV. One pay-per-view every two or three months. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't be having TV shows where there's 75 wrestlers on it and think anybody's going to get over except the top-tier guys. So, like, you know, when I look, and, you know, the releases that we found out about this week, when I look at these releases, like, I'm not of the... I mean, look at Rusev. Like, you know, Rusev... I would have thought would have gone on and gone and main evented somewhere, but just because, and maybe he still will at some point in AEW, but just because of the amount of people, it becomes a very difficult thing to do. Um, so like for me, I think that, and, and I don't know what the financial status of like ring of honor is, but, and maybe it's just because like, I'm such a, I, I, I love the golden age of ring of honor so much. Mm-hmm. And I like, you know, ring of honor when it was the spot that, you know, I guess, for me, it it starts with like kind of the punk Joe era and mm-hmm. ends with the Undisputed Era guys. Like that length of time for me is just magic, magic, magic. And you can see, I mean, it's every, we had Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn on night two. We had Seth mm-hmm. Rollins versus Cesaro on night one. I could have seen those matches at the Hammerstein yeah. In yeah. Ring of Honor rings like that. That was, that, was, that was I think that was the first indie show I ever went to. Was I think was, was it Best in the World? Yeah, it sounds when right. It was uh, I think it was the Kings of Wrestling mm-hmm. versus the World's Greatest Tag Team, and I think the main event was yeah. Eddie Edwards versus Davey Richards, and uh, it was Chris Hero who uh, invited me and Sparks over, and uh, Kevin Steen was still doing his gimmick where he was kicked out of the company and he was coming out yes. over and running, and I had never been to an indie show. But, but, I mean, I don't really count Ring of Honor as an indie, but I hadn't gone to a wrestling show that wasn't. Impact or WWE yeah. at that time. And I saw that match and I'm just like, I love every single one of these guys. This is the best wrestling happening. Why isn't this on main television? And then slowly but surely, you would see them all kind of make that move. I think I think Sammy was the first one to make that jump. Yep. And then Owens and then uh, Cesaro. And then, you know, it was just little by little, it was all these guys. I'm like, man, I saw all these guys at the Hammerstein. Yeah. So I, you know, um, I think you you were getting to your point of wanting to see Andrade in Ring of Honor. Is that is that what you're getting to? That's what I'd like to see. I mean, Rouge is already there. Like, I would love, I would love to see Andrade in mm-hmm. Ring of Honor and to come out with Selena Vega. I think adding a little bit of star power into Ring of Honor. You don't not every star should go, but a little bit of star power from guys yeah. that can really like go at a top 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 level. Not really that. I mean, most of the people. They got, once you get to WWE, like if you've gotten to the point where you're good enough to get released by WWE, you can go at a top level. Like, so I shouldn't even, but like, yeah, I I think that Andrade stepping into Ring of Honor, because look, Ring of Honor got hurt really badly when all the Bullet Club guys left, you know, and and started AEW. So like, you know, I I, I think that, I think that they're they're in need of a refresh. Uh, They got... Dalton Castle, they're, they they still have the Briscoes. Like there there are there EC3's is, over there too. Yeah, EC three just showed up yeah. over there. You know, I, I think that I think that there's a lot of potential over there and a lot of talent. And if there is 
you know, what do we know about the finances of any company? But if there is money to bring in some of these people, I mean, can you imagine, not only if Andrade goes over there full time, but can you imagine, dude, if Samoa Joe showed up to a Ring of Honor oh. show? Like, can oh. you, I, I, maybe I'm just setting myself up to get disappointed, but can you <laughs> imagine if in 2021, yeah. Ring of Honor does their first show back in front of an audience, and here comes Joe? Oh. Honestly, oh. I don't want to. You want to. You want to set yourself up for failure. I'm going to set myself up even more. <laughs> saw CM Punk tweet. Oh, anything can oh. happen. Oh, I saw as far it as I saw you it talk too. about a company that really needs that. You just talked about the golden era of Punk Joe up until WrestleMania. Right now, Are you talking about like listen. If I'm running Ring of Honor, I go to CM Punk. I go to Samoa Joe, and I'm like, yo. I will give you equity in this company. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like whatever we make out of this is yours. Like mm-hmm. you can do like whoever's bankrolling this. I don't know if it's still Sinclair or, or whoever's still kind of like running Ring of Honor. You have a golden opportunity in your hands. I don't know how much money you guys have, but you do have equity. You do have name recognition. You do have the fact that pro wrestling is everywhere right now. You still have Fight TV. You still have a lot of opportunities. It is not. I'm not a business guy. I've never ran a promotion before, but I don't think, I think you get more chews of the apple having these stars look at ring of honor and being like, we can go and bring this thing back. You know, like, I think, I think there's been like a reshuffling of the American territories for a while. AEW shot up to a solid number two mm-hmm. impact is there. You got the the U S version of new Japan as selfishly as I would love to see, Kota Ibushi and Andrade like tear it down in, in Tokyo Dome or, or New Japan or whatever. I still truly believe that I think Ring of Honor could really use a lot of this talent that was let go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, AEW again would probably be so easy to, I'm sure there's more money to be made. I'm sure there's more exposure and all that type of stuff. But you said it, man, like they have a lot of people on that, on that show. Like I can't like, like I remember when pack slash Neville was like the big get mm-hmm. when they first started. And now it's just like, okay, he's there sometimes, you know? <laughs> and I remember like, you know, Miro, love Miro. Rusev is awesome. Love him. I thought he would have been, they're Brock Lesnar. Just come and steamroll I mean, everybody, take the title, and come get me. You know, right? and he's not quite there yet. But at the end of the day, and like I told anybody who's ever talked to me about wrestling after working there, as a fan, there's only 12 segments on the show, bro. Yeah, there's only 12 segments on the show. How many people do you really think you get on TV at that time, man? And you know, I, dreaming, dreaming a little dream in a perfect world, punk. Joe, go to Ring of Honor, bring that thing back, bring the prestige back to that name. And now you're in a real new golden age of professional wrestling. Yeah, I think because, yeah, I'm the same way with you. Like, I'm sitting there going, like, why don't you just make Eddie Kingston AEW champion already? He's the greatest thing since sliced <laughs> bread. What are we doing? And it's like, well, there's 80 other people on the raw. And you're like, I guess, what? yeah, it seems, you're right. It seems complicated. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if they, if it Ring of Honor, here would be my plan to kind of feasibly pull this off. If it was just like, look, we're going to build a card that is a display of what Ring of Honor is going to look like going forward. 
at the top of that card just as a thing. Here's the Ring of Honor card. And also, we want to do one more CM Punk versus Samoa Joe match. We'll give you a cut of the pay-per-view. We'll give you mm -hmm. equity in the company. We'll give you whatever you, you want. Take everything. You take can, everything. You can have the like, company. Whatever money you make on that show, whatever Yours. money you lose from giving Joe and Punk that money, you it. will make back in yes. equity and 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 wrestling fandom and just buzz. Like people don't like to put a number value on buzz, but it's like Ring of Honor simply is lacking that right now. And if there's anybody that makes, if there's any wrestling situation that makes sense to see CM Punk come back, you kind of tell he's got the itch. You can tell he, absolutely. You can tell he's got the itch, right? Like, and, I, and I'm not sure WWE is going to come calling quite yet. I think they tried it with AEW, and I don't know the guy personally, uh -huh. but I feel like there was a miscommunication with Punk and AEW, and I don't think that's going to happen either. <laughs> Yeah, Mike, that's my gut, too. I, I feel the same way that you do. And I mean, you know, I know him a little bit, but I don't like I don't text him. I, I wouldn't call right. him up and be like, hey, what are you feeling about this? But my I watch his interviews. I just interviewed him, you know, on a radio last week to promote his movie. And mm. like my gut feeling and I don't know, it could, we could both be 100 percent wrong. But my gut feeling is that there's just something about he does. He's, I don't think he wants to do AEW. I don't I think that if he wanted to do AEW, they would have given him all the money and, and oh, he would have sure. done it already. But. I mean, and I, 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 I still see CM Punk back in a WWE ring at some point, even if it's just for a match, even if it's just, I think it will probably at one point happen, but I could also see, because uh, I agree with you. I think he's got an itch. I think he talks about wrestling again, like he used to, you know what I mean? Like there's just, he's not so turned off and yeah. he's gotten the yeah. opportunity to do what he wanted to do. He's gotten the opportunity to be away from the system. He's gotten the opportunity to fight MMA. He's gotten the opportunity to be in movies. Like he's gotten these things that he wanted to do in his life, and he did them, and 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 all. And in and in perfect pro wrestling fashion, like it's always going to be there. Like yeah. it doesn't matter how far away you go from wrestling. It doesn't matter how long you're gone. It will always be there for you when you come back when you're ready. Yeah, it's not like CM mm. Punk and Samoa Joe have to come in and be full-time Ring of Honor guys. Literally one match. One like match it's just I'm good. One match. <laughs> if I told you, Kaz, $50, same thing you paid for that Triller card, $50, <laughs> which I would have paid more. $50. Listen, I would have given him $80 <laughs> for that catastrophe. It was incredible. It was great. I was very sports entertained. I was so, I'll be there next time. You better believe I'll be there next time. But if I told you, if I told you, $60, $60, Fight TV, easy to order, Ring of Honor, Dawning of a New Era, whatever you want to call the show, four-hour pay-per-view, three and a half is all, here's what Ring of Honor is, and then boom, here's your main event, one more time in a lifetime, CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. What wrestling fan isn't buying that pay-per-view? Every wrestling fan's buying that. All of them. Ring of Honor is like the... Uh... I don't know what to really compare it to, but it's like, it's almost like that first impact crossover with AEW mm -hmm. where like you got AEW fanboys and you got WWE fanboys. Like nobody hates impact. Right? Right. Like, they're like, all right, I don't watch the show, but I don't hate it. Yeah. Like, but like the ring of honor. Like yeah. nobody's like, staunchly against the ring of honor so they have like <laughs> the great they have the, the the awesome opportunity to bring in 
all these fans from all these walks of life. WWE fans are going to tune in. AEW fans are going to tune in. Casuals are going to tune in. Everybody's going to watch this match. I mean, let's be honest. Half the AEW roster would be angling to get on the show. Oh, Tony, you know, let me, it's just a one-off for Ring of Honor. It'll be great. It'll it could be, be, it could be like another all-in. It yeah. could be like another all-in where it's just like, uh, it's just a one-off show. We're doing it for the sake <laughs> of the, We're kicking open another forbidden door. That's all it is. You know is. what I mean? Yeah. Like, how dope would that be? You got a couple AEW guys come through. You got Seth Rollins coming at the end. Oh, yeah. Color black. And by the way, yeah. Ring of Honor squashes all of them. Ring of Honor Absolutely. puts their guys over everybody. Everybody. <laughs> Pierre Wallet, Jess Jobs. Everybody jobs to Quebec or Pierre. Everybody. <laughs> PCO beats everybody. <laughs> you got EC3 just cutting promos on how everyone's wasted their life and yeah. they don't control their own narrative. Yeah. It just rips every major promotion. I'm just like, yeah, I'm paying to see this. I'll watch that. I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> well, Kaz, I love talking wrestling with you. Um, but you're an entertaining guy to hear talk about a lot of stuff, and people can hear that on Say Less with Kaz all the time. You can follow Kaz on all forms of social media and get all the clips and everything. What's your uh, what's your handles? Oh, you can follow me at Kazim. Uh, you can t- I, I'll talk wrestling with our good friend David Shoemaker Love as him. well on the Mass Man Show. Check that out. Um, you know, Say Less MSGPM just finished that Big Nick's victory <laughs> over Zion Williamson and the Pelicans. Uh, but yes, follow me. At Kazim, K-A-Z-E-E-M on all social platforms. And please buy some more Wiley Mania merch on Foot Locker and for the X we're almost sold out. Let's sell it out, baby. <laughs> Let's sell it out. Thank you, Kaz. It's always good, man. Always a pleasure, Sam. Awesome. Perfect, man. Thank you. Oh, anytime, man. This is fun. That was great. Yes, sir. We, we, we need to get you on the ringer soon, man. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.